This sermon is titled The Believer's Authority Part 1 Be enriched as you listen. All right, just a few testimonies. Are you happy to hear testimonies? All right, very quickly I'll uh, run through a few uh, testimonies that came in the recent weeks. Um and uh, of course I won't be able to go into all the details that are usually in the email. I'll just give a quick gist of uh, each testimony. Uh This testimony is uh, uh, from, uh, actually he, he told me I could mention his name, so it's from Stolova Kumar, and he just wanted to uh, share how that, um, although he was diagnosed with chronic lymphatic leukemia, uh, both here in Bangalore and then they also went to uh, Vellum, uh, uh, the, uh, you know, they went through the whole process of all the tests and so on, and uh, and of course you know um he was believing god and there were those who were praying and uh, he was just happy when the hospital got back to him and uh, uh, they they informed him that his condition did not warrant medical intervention other than quarterly monitoring and review uh, it was uh, eventually diagnosed as low grade and so he didn't want to they didn't need to uh, go into uh, any serious treatment so just giving thanks to the lord for that amen and then there's a testimony from a young lady uh she's actually a postgraduate student and um she talks about uh going through high levels of anxiety and uh, uh she actually you know even had couldn't continue her studies there was a lot of you know other uh symptoms as well uh but then she gives thanks to god now she did get help through christless counseling she did, she did take help thank god for that but she just tests to find that now she's in back to you know good health back to uh college to do her studies and uh just get move on in life and so she gives thanks to god for that uh and and it's a big big uh, uh relief Uh, to seeing all those anxiety levels and everything come down and she says i'm physically mentally and emotionally in a better state amen thank god for that and um there was another te- uh, the two more testimonies one was about um uh, this person who you know she she heard the word of the lord uh, she'd been out of uh, she'd taken a break from work she worked work, she was working in the IT industry she took a break from work and um so it was a long gap but she heard the word of the lord uh, beginning of this year go take your mountain her desire was always to get back into the industry but uh, after such a long gap she wasn't sure so she heard the word of the lord encouraged they started praying and it happened so quickly within this you know from the month of january basically went through the interview process everything and she was offered a job back in the it industry and she just wants to thank god for that amen and uh just uh, seeing the word of the lord fulfilled in our life very quickly and one last one is about a healing testimony this person of course last sunday was watching online and he shares about uh he was under heavy pain from a massive sinusitis inflammation about his le- above his left eye so he had the sinus pain for uh, above his left eye and during the service right after the service i mean he prayed along during the prayer time and he says how uh, right after the service the pain just decreased to the point where you know it just uh, the inflammation everything left and he was able to have good sleep right after that and thank god for that amen so these are 
testimonies. Thank God for every testimony that comes in. And, and we're sure that God is doing amazing things in the lives of people. Uh, we may not always hear or receive uh, emails, but we thank God uh, for, uh, what, for the emails that do come in. All right. So this morning, I want to spend some time talking about uh, a subject that we've probably heard before, and yet uh, I think we need to be reminded over and over again. You know, sometimes people wonder, why do you uh, go over same themes and topics over and over again? And then we just had to ask ourselves a simple question, how many times do you eat biryani? <laughs> hey, aren't you tired of it? <laughs> we've eaten it, you know, so many years, <laughs> and we still eat it. So it's the same thing with spiritual truth, you know. Uh, we've heard it, but we still need to keep hearing it, you know, keep reminded of it. And uh, we begin to see and uh, understand different aspects and um, different facets to the same truth. And so we keep revisiting certain things. So I want to spend some time uh, talking to us about our spiritual authority, the spiritual authority that God has given to each one of us as believers. And the goal is really to encourage each of us to exercise our spiritual authority. You see, having given, being given spiritual authority is one thing, but if you don't exercise it, if you don't use it in, 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 in the way it's supposed to be used in life, in the things we face in life, then the authority, the spiritual authority that God has given to us as believers is really, a, you know, it, it's ineffective. It's of no value uh, to us in our lives. So what we want to do is to emphasize, uh, just remind us of this, and then encourage us to use it, talk about, how uh, to exercise our spiritual authority. Now, let's turn in our Bibles, please, to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. We'll get started here. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. The Bible tells us, be sober, be... Let's read it together. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, it comes up on the screen as well. Let's read it, go. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith. I'll pause there. So, the Bible tells us, it's telling us, be sober, be vigilant. Let's be on alert. We're not afraid, we're not scared, we're not living in fear, but we are alert. We're on the watch, on guard, because there is an adversary, there is an enemy who's looking for opportunities to cause trouble. So the Bible says, you be alert, be vigilant. That's verse 8. And then verse 9, it says, but you also got to resist. That means you don't accept what he tries to do. You resist being firm in your faith. So it's up to us as believers to recognize that there is a spiritual enemy. We're not talking about a natural enemy. We're talking about a spiritual enemy. We're talking about Satan and his demons who are out there to try and cause trouble. But the Bible is telling us to resist. You resist being firm in your faith. And... Uh, 
part of that is to know the authority that we have as believers and to exercise it. I want to encourage us in that. Sometimes what the enemy does against us is at a very personal level. In fact, almost all of us face this at a very personal level. Something that we all experience are things in our mind. There are thoughts of fear, uh, doubt, intimidation, uh, temptations. All these things come to us on a daily basis in our minds. All of us face that on a daily basis. And then sometimes it may attack us in other areas, you know, in our body with some sickness or trouble in our uh, immediate things, and, you know, maybe your finances or whatever. He could, he could even cause trouble in that. So the enemy can work in those situations. Sometimes the attack may be a little indirect through situations that are created, opposition that you might encounter, trouble that might be caused, things, you know, coming at you in those kinds of situations. In all of these things, you and I, first of all, must discern, okay, what is the devil doing? And then resist. Exercise our authority to resist. Now, at the very beginning, I do want to make the statement, lest some of us take this message and run off in a tangent, which sometimes happens, that not everything bad is of the devil. Let me repeat that. <laughs> Not everything bad is of the devil. Right? We've got to keep things in perspective. Number one, first of all, we all have our responsibility. Right? So, if, example. You know, and I'm not getting at students or anything, but just this is a simple example. If a student doesn't study for the exam, or if you and I, you know, if you're going for an interview and you don't prepare for uh, that interview, and this, you, know, you don't do well in your studies, or the interview doesn't go well, don't blame the devil. No. You take responsibility. I didn't study. I didn't prepare. I didn't do my part. So I can't blame the devil just because things went bad in, in those situations. Right? So not everything bad is with the devil. I have a responsibility. I have things that I must take care of. Secondly, we also understand that sometimes bad things are done by people because they choose to do those things. Uh, they could be people who are jealous or, uh, you know, they just, uh, they by their own choice are doing bad things. Don't blame the devil. It's people. They are doing those bad things. They are making those choices. Don't blame the devil. Sometimes, yes, the devil might, you know, instigate those things, but they are doing it, not the devil. Are you all with me? And thirdly, sometimes it's just wear and tear of life. For example, you know, if you don't service your car for two years, and you decide on Sunday morning, I'm going to go to church, <laughs> and the car doesn't start, or, you know, or the battery is dead, don't blame the devil. Don't say the devil didn't want me to come to church. No, you didn't service your car, battery's going to run out, or something's going to happen, there's wear and tear in life. Are you with me? Those who received that revelation <laughs> say, yes, you understand. You know, because sometimes, and I, I just don't understand this, sometimes, you know, we, when we teach the truth, people take it all and run off on a tangent and say, oh, that's not what the Bible is saying. Or that's not how you apply that truth. So misapplication of truth can also lead into error. And that's why you need to understand truth in its context and apply it correctly. Okay, so 
so the very beginning, I'm making this statement very clear. Not everything bad is of the devil. Don't blame the devil for every, everything. Right? If you don't look left and right and you cross the road with your eyes closed and something happens, don't blame the devil did it to me. He didn't do it to you. You should have opened your eyes before crossing. Okay? It means we have a responsibility of certain things. But when we discern that there is something that's happening, and that is, that is definitely the enemy trying to do it, then that is where you begin to exercise your spiritual authority. Are you with me? Right? You've done your part. You're taking care of your matters. And uh, you are being responsible. And at the same time here, if the enemy is attacking you, maybe in your mind or against your body or in some other area, that's where you learn to exercise spiritual authority. And sometimes God may want you to help somebody else. Somebody else comes to you. They are troubled by demons, affected by evil spirits, and you're right there. What should you do? Exercise your spiritual authority to help them. Amen? And so this learning and this truth is for, you know, both for personal application as well as for you to help somebody else, minister to somebody else, because God wants to use you and me to be of help to other people, exercise a spiritual authority, and to minister to them and help them. So that's our objective as we spend some time uh, learning about our spiritual authority, the believer's authority, so that uh, we will understand what it is, how to exercise our authority, and then use it both in our personal lives and to help other people. Are you all with me? All right, so... I want to begin, first of all, by outlining and helping us understand the five dimensions are the basis for our spiritual authority. And I want to uh, help us uh, and just introduce this. We will talk about each of these in, in the weeks to come. Five dimensions to our spiritual authority. That means on what basis does a believer have spiritual authority? Authority over demonic powers. Authority over circumstances and situations. And you'll see authority over everything Adam brought us under. On what is the basis for our spiritual authority? Five things we must understand. Number one, there is redemptive authority. What we call as redemptive authority that is vested in you, that you have as a believer. Redemptive authority. Say this with me, redemptive authority. The very fact that you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus has placed you in a place of spiritual authority. The fact that you are redeemed. You don't have to do anything more. Christ redeemed you and me. And we'll talk about this in detail today. Christ redeemed you and me. And the fact that you as a child of God are redeemed has put you in a place of authority over the enemy. The second aspect, the second dimension to our spiritual authority is what we will refer to as inherited authority. The fact that you are a son and a daughter of God, that you are a child of God, has put you immediately in a place of spiritual authority. The Bible says that because we are his children, we are heirs of God and we are joint heirs with Christ. That means you are in a place of spiritual 
authority. You have inherited. That's, that's, that's yours. You're all, you don't have to do anything more. You are in that place of spiritual authority. You have inherited this because you're a child of God. And we will uh, get into that in the, in the coming weeks. Number three, as a believer, you have positional authority. What we refer to as positional authority. That means you are seated in Christ in heavenly places. You have been positioned as a believer in the highest place God could ever take you. There's no higher place he could have put you. He put you at his own right hands. That's your position in Christ. And right there is the basis for your authority. You are in a place higher than Satan. Satan's underneath your feet. You are positioned in Christ. So that we call that as positional authority. Every believer has this. And so, Satan, all his demonic forces underneath your feet. Because you are seated in Christ. Number four, we talk about delegated authority. Authority that has been delegated to you. Jesus said, go use my name. That's authority being delegated. In legal terms, you'll call it power of attorney. You just call it delegated authority. Christ delegated authority to you when he said, use my name. And he said, in my name. You cast out demons. In my name, you do whatever I would do. And every child of God, every believer has been given that authority. And lastly, number five, we call this empowered authority. Meaning the Holy Spirit is within you and upon you. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The Holy Spirit is in you. And the Holy Spirit is upon you. You're anointed. And because you're anointed, that anointing destroys yokes and removes burdens. Every child of God has that. So you look at these five dimensions of our spiritual authority. This is yours. You have redemptive authority. You have inherited authority. You're a child of God. You are positional authority. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You have delegated authority, the right to use the name of Jesus. And you have empowered authority because the Holy Spirit is in you. Amen. Sermon over. We can go home. I feel excited. <laughs> Just giving you the outline. <laughs> this is good. Amen. So every child of God has this. Now, you can be a 15-year-old person, or you can be 50 years old. It doesn't make a difference. This is yours. Amen? A 15-year-old who knows this truth is a terror to the devil. Because they know the truth. They can walk in it. This is spiritual truth. Amen? And so, when you and I understand this and say, God has already vested this in me. It's already mine. None of these things I'm going to try to earn. No, it's yours. It's given to you already as a believer in Jesus Christ. And so, you can use it. You can walk in it. 
for your own personal benefit, when the enemy comes against you, in your life situations, in your circumstances, and also to minister and to help other people. The policeman is a simple example. You know, when he's in, in his civilian clothes, okay, nobody bothers. But, you know, let's say in the morning he gets up, he puts on his uh, police attire, he gets onto the street. Immediately, he stepped into his authority. Now, he has no ab ability to stop even one car, can run, run him over. But the very fact that he's standing in his uniform and he raises his hand, the car stops, or most people stop. <laughs> should, should qualify that in India, right? <laughs> I don't know. Most people stop. They respect authority. Now, he, does he have the ability to stop the car? No. You know, the car is bigger than him. But because he's exercising authority, in this case, the car stops. But if he does not exercise that, people are just going to keep going. Then nobody's going to uh, pay attention to the policeman who's not exercising his authority. So that's what I want to emphasize here. You know, as a believer, God has vested all this in you. If you don't want to exercise it, the devil's just going to take advantage. But if you and I, we exercise our authority, then we're going to reap the benefits. Then we're going to enjoy what God has vested in us as his people. Are you with me? So I really want us to understand this truth and begin to use them in our lives. So today we're going to very briefly talk about redemptive authority and then a few things and we will close. So... We want to talk about this aspect, this dimension of our authority because of what, what Christ has done for us on the cross. Now, it's very simple. and Many of us know it. And I'm just going to uh, just remind us of this truth. When God created Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden, he wasted authority in them. You know, in Genesis 1, God told Adam and Eve, he said, you know, have dominion. On the earth. Subdue it. So right there you see delegated authority. God is saying, I'm putting you in charge of the earth. Have dominion. Subdue. So man was created and designed for dominion. He was designed to have authority. He was given authority on the earth. God put him in charge of the earth. Of the affairs of this planet. But then we know what happened in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, they transferred that authority, the jurisdiction that they were given off this planet, they transferred that to Satan. So Satan and his demons immediately gained that authority, not only of the planet, but over the human race. You know, so in, in the temptations of uh, Jesus, when Satan tempted Jesus, and one of that, he said, you know, all this has been given to me, and I can give it to you. Who gave it to him? Adam. So Adam put us under. That's why it's called the fall. We fell from our place of dominion and authority. We fell. 
And now the entire human race came in subjection to Satan and his demons. And things that God never intended was brought upon the human race. Sickness and disease and sin and affliction and all those kinds of things were brought in. But in redemption, what Christ does is he brings us out from everything Adam put us under. Amen. That's a good place to get happy. Amen. Everything Adam put us under, Christ brought us out of, and he set us over all of those things. That's redemption. He brings us out of bondage. He brings us out of slavery. He redeems us. He delivers us. And then he puts us over all of those things that Adam put us under. The very fact that you are a redeemed child of God has positioned you in a place of authority and dominion over everything that Adam put us under. Are you with me? Are you excited? Amen? So that's redemption. You are redeemed. Christ redeemed you. And so you have been placed over sin and sickness and disease and the works of the enemy and over Satan and all of his demonic powers. God has taken us out of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his own dear son. And his kingdom supersedes or is greater than the kingdom of darkness. And so the very fact that you are in that kingdom, that you have been redeemed, has put you in a place of authority. And you as a child of God, you must know that Satan has no claim over your life. He has no right over your life. He has no access to your life. You are a blood-bought, redeemed child of God. That's who you are. You need to know that. Amen? Now, you see, when Christ came to redeem us, he didn't have to, let me put it like this. Everything Jesus did on the cross, he did it for you and me. He didn't have to do it for, any, he didn't have to do it for himself. It was a 100% selfless thing. Nothing for himself because he was already God. But he became a man so that he could represent the human race. He could represent you and me. And what I want us to understand that is that in this redemptive work through the cross, Christ defeated Satan. So let's look at those specific scriptures, please, with me, if you will. Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to read a few scriptures. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. Now, Many of these scriptures would be familiar to us, but it's good to look at them again. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. Can, let's read it together, please. It's on the screen. This is on the cross. What did Jesus do? Let's read it. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. That means in the cross. So what did Jesus do on the cross? He disarmed principalities and powers. Now, principalities and powers is a terminology in Scripture used to refer to Satan and his demonic powers. 
So he disarmed the principalities and powers. The cross is not a place of defeat. I mean, yes, on the physical side, there is agony and pain. But the cross is the greatest triumph ever. The cross is the place for us for great celebration. Because on the cross, he disarmed principalities and powers. And he triumphed and he made a spectacle of them. The picture that the Apostle Paul is having as he's writing this is, is he has this picture of a triumphant king who's leading the entire uh, conquered, vanquished army in procession, having stripped them of everything. And the triumphant king is leading them in procession. So he made a public display of them triumphing over them on the cross. That's the cross, a place of triumph. Amen? Satan was disarmed, and Satan is disarmed. Hebrews 2.14, again a familiar scripture. What does the Bible say here in Hebrews 2 and verse 14? It's up on the screen as well. Let's read it out together. Inasmuch then as the, let's read it. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So Jesus became like us. He partook of our flesh and blood, our humanity. He became like us. For what purpose? That through death he would destroy, render powerless, the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. So the cross is a place of Satan's defeat. Through his death, Jesus destroyed the devil. And let's go to Isaiah 52, verse 12. This is something we need to look at. Isaiah 52, verse 12. You say, well, thank God, Jesus triumphed over the devil on the cross. That's wonderful. That's great. Isaiah 53, sorry. Isaiah 53 and verse 12. My mistake. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 12. What did Jesus do? Isaiah foretells this. He says, let's read it, please. Let's read the first half of this verse. Let's read it. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall devoid Divide the spoil with the strong. What will Jesus do on the cross? The whole chapter is about the cross. I'm just, we're just picking up a portion of scripture there. Verse 12. He will divide the spoil with the strong. So it's military terminology. Here's a king who's, who's, who's conquered enemy. He's got the spoil. He's going to divide it with all his mighty ones. You and I were the soldiers standing behind Jesus. We never fought. He did all the fight. Uh, he won the battle. He took the spoil. He says, hey guys, come on. Join the party. That's what Jesus did. He shares his victory with each one of us. So today, you and I, Get to walk in Christ's triumph, in Christ's victory. You and I are the mighty ones. But we didn't fight. He fought. 
He shared the spoil with you and me. So literally today, every child of God, because of the redemptive work of Christ, you and I can walk in that authority, in that dominion, in that triumph, in that victory that Christ won on the cross. That's what you and I have as believers. Amen? And Satan knows that before a believer... He's actually disarmed and defeated. But sad to say, many believers don't know it. So really, you and I are not contending for victory. We are operating from a place of victory. The victory was settled 2,000 years ago. So not a matter of contending for victory. Or we're not engaged in conflict in order to win some the battle, we're engaged in conflict in order to say that, hey, the victory is mine. I'm walking in it. Please get out of the way. Oh, no, there's no need to say, please, just get out of the way. <laughs> you don't have to be polite to the devil. Amen? So that's what we are involved in. And we minister the same way when to other people. Somebody comes to you with a person who's troubled and oppressed and demon-possessed. Hey, just know that Christ has already crushed that demonic power and that you can now move in that victory to enforce that in that person's life and bring deliverance to that person. But you need to know it. Many believers don't know it. Amen? So, in life, when you are facing things that the enemy brings against you, understand that you are already in a place of victory. Christ has divided the spoil with the strong. He has distributed his victory to all of his own people. And you're one of them. You're one of them. It's yours to enjoy, if you will. One more scripture, Romans 5, verse 17. And again, you know, we're picking single scriptures from, from elaborate passages of text which are just so beautiful to look into. In Romans 5 and verse 17, let's read that together, please. If by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So the, the picture in Romans 5, the entire chapter, if you read it, what, what Paul is telling us essentially is, Adam sinned, and in came sin and death, and these things dominated us. But then came Jesus, who brings us out of subjection to sin and death and all that Adam put us under. And he gives us abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Why? So that we can reign in life. Through Jesus Christ. Where are you going to reign? In life. When are you going to reign? In life. He's not talking about reigning up in heaven. 
He's talking about reigning here in life. When do you receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness? Right here, right now. And so, right here, when I was in, under, in Adam, death reigned, sin reigned. Everything that Adam put me under reigned over me. But now, what Paul is saying is something has changed. In Christ, you have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And so, you've been put in a place where you can reign. Where you can exercise authority and dominion over these things. Are you excited? Amen. You receive grace. You receive righteousness for what? So that you can reign in life. So in life, when you face things that you know are not what God wants for you, have this sense of authority over those things. And say, I'm going to dominate them. I'm not going to let them dominate me. You see, if you don't exercise your authority, then sure, you're going to remain in subjection to those things. But the moment you say, I'm going to rise up above that because I have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness so that I can reign in life through Jesus Christ. So this is redemptive authority. Through what Christ did for us on the cross, we have been put in a place of spiritual authority. And we are walking in the triumph of the cross. And when you know that, you can face life situations. You can face demonic powers with confidence, with this calmness, with a sense of dominion, saying, I'll take care of it. And in the coming weeks, we'll talk about how to exercise our authority. Now, of course, somebody may ask this question, if Satan has been defeated, you know, why does he appear so strong? Even in the lives of believers. You know, it's like people say, you know, I've got the devil on the run. The problem is he's chasing me, I'm running. It's happening the wrong way. And I'm I'm talking about believers. It's like, the devil's chasing me. The devil's having me on the run. It's like, what's wrong? It's got to be the other way. He's got to be running from you. The Bible says you resist the devil and he will run. But it's usually the other way. The believer's running, the devil's chasing. What's wrong? Why does the devil appear so strong? One major reason is a lack of knowledge. And you know these scriptures, Hosea 4, 6, and also repeated in Isaiah 5, 13. God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Or he says in Isaiah 5, 13, my my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. They don't know. And so many of God's people are in bondage, or like we said, you know, the devil's having them on the run, because of lack of knowledge. They don't know. They're good people. They're sincere. Uh, They love Jesus, but they've not been taught the truth. They've not been told that, you know, these things. And so they are still being destroyed. They're still living defeated lives. Because of a lack of 
knowledge. And sometimes we don't even know how the enemy operates. We don't know Satan's tactics. If you want to break that down, and I've shared this with you before, but it's good to be reminded. And if you want to break down Satan's tactics, he's got something just very simple. Number one is he plays mind games. He troubles us in our mind with thoughts of fear and doubt and confusion and uh, you know, all kinds of things. It's here in the mind, mind games. So if you and I learn to deal with these thoughts that the enemy puts in our minds, we can, we can walk in victory. So many believers are defeated just by a single thought. They're about to do something and the thought comes, no, you can't. They believe it. Instead of saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So just one thought nullifies the believer, sits down. Mind games. Secondly, of course, is if we inadvertently leave doors open. You know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But if you leave your door open, the enemy comes. The thief comes to steal. And then believers say, God sent the thief. No, God didn't send it. You left the door open. Don't blame God. So sometimes we leave doors open. Sin is a, an entry point for the enemy. So that's reason. I'm not saying every time it's sin. Sometimes we said first it's ignorance. Sometimes it's sin. But that's, that's something that happens in the lives of believers. And then, then we are wondering, why is that believer defeated? Well, because the door was open. And the enemy came in through the open door. Did God want that to happen? No. But who, who's responsible to close that door? It's your house. You close the door. I'm talking in spiritual terms. And it's true in the natural. But I'm talking in spiritual terms. So, second reason why, you know... Uh, the tactics the enemy uses, he looks for open doors in our lives. And third, he's a trespasser. That means he's a violator. He goes where he should not go. So he may intrudes. He makes attempts or he attempts to intrude. He's a trespasser. That's when we should stand up and say, no. I have redemptive authority. I'm redeemed. Amen. We're going to develop this further next week. But today I want you to understand. Jesus triumphed from the cross. And that victory is given to you. And as far as you are concerned. Satan is already disarmed and defeated. And that's your attitude towards the enemy. That's the way you're going to deal with things when you know Satan is doing it, I'm standing up against it because the victory has already been won. Christ defeated the enemy. I'm standing against this. Amen? Worship team, please come. So, we're going to learn, continue to delve further into this topic of the believer's authority. And you, are going, you and I are going to understand these various dimensions to our spiritual authority. But I want to encourage you to start 
practicing these things. Practicing them for your own life and for the benefit of other people. You see, at some point, you may have to minister to other people. And when they come, they may be troubled by evil spirits. They may be troubled by demons. You say, does it happen in the city? Yes, it happens in the city. It happens in the villages. It happens in the city. It happens everywhere. And then when you realize that you have to deal with demonic powers in this situation, move in your spiritual authority. Exercise authority for that person. And all these dimensions, all of, of spiritual authority, it's already yours. And you can move in it as you exercise spiritual authority to set a captive free. So somebody is captive. The, uh, uh, Satan and his demons have bound them, but you are anointed and you have been given spiritual authority to set them free. Amen? And that's what you and I can do to help others, to help people. Sometimes they may not be aware that their problem is actually demonic. But you know, the spiritual side, the spiritual dimension to things in life. And so you can actually move in your spiritual authority to minister to them. Amen? Let's rise to our feet. And we're going to take a few moments just to thank the Lord and and I just want to pray, pray over us, pray over those who are uh, watching, or those of you who are watching at home or wherever you are. Uh, whenever you're comfortable, feel free to come. Auditorium is here, plenty of seats. And all five locations are open. Our pastors are serving uh, at all five locations. So uh, whenever you're comfortable, we're not forcing you. Uh, feel free to come, uh, start attending services in person. Uh, we're continuing to wear masks and, you know, do the things that we can do to stay safe. Uh, but you're welcome to come and join us in our in-person services. We're going to pray, and uh, those of you who are watching online, just join our hearts as, as we pray together. First, we'll worship. Let the worship team uh, lead us, please. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, oh shout his name, shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the street, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, shout his name, just shout his name now, shout Jesus from the mountain, Jesus in the street. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Oh, your name is power, your name is 
take a few moments to pray you're in the auditorium and you need healing in your body your mind your emotions and you heard this morning that God has given us spiritual authority those of you watching online right where you are as we pray God can work miracles and heal wherever you are you may be in this city you may be in cities across uh, the nation, other parts of the world, but wherever you are, as we pray, the Lord Jesus will minister to you. And even in this place, Lord, I take authority in the name of Jesus over sickness and disease, every spirit of infirmity. I come against you in the name of Jesus. If you're in this auditorium, lay hand and you need healing in your body. Just lay hand on your body wherever you want the Lord to touch and heal. Those online, just, just like we heard the testimony of that man last Sunday. God healed of that sinus others. You put your hand wherever you want the Lord to touch you and heal you. And Lord, in the authority of the name of Jesus, I command healing to come. That every sickness, every disease, God, you know what the conditions are. But let it be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus. I take authority over every work of the devil and destroy it. Destroy every work of sickness, every work of disease, every torment and oppression in the mind. And even problems in the body which, which cannot be medically explained. In the name of Jesus, let these chains be broken. Even now. In the authority of the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you. Lord, we also speak freedom to the captives. Father, those who are bound... enslaved 
In the name of Jesus, let your bondages be broken and be set free from addictions that oppress you, that have enslaved you. Be free. Let your chains fall. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray that people experience freedom. Whether those here in the auditorium, those watching online, let them see a difference. Let them experience a difference. The chains have been broken. They are free. They are free. And we thank you, God. Thank you. Just before we close, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, if you've never made a decision in your life, that you are going to follow Jesus and you want Him and Him alone to be your Lord, to be your God. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. doesn't matter what your background is. doesn't matter who you are. You can make this choice. You make a choice to follow Jesus Christ. If you've never done this before and you want to do it today, I'll lead you in a simple prayer. You can pray this prayer with me where you say, Jesus, I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive my sins. Make me a new person. I'm going to lead you in that prayer. If you've never done it, I want to encourage you to do it with me. Let's pray. If you've never done this before, just say this with me. Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And help me to follow you. And you alone. The rest of my life. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Anybody in this auditorium. You did it for the first time in your life. We'd like to see your hand. We'd like to celebrate with you. Anybody in the auditorium, you did it for the first time in your life. Just raise your hand. I can celebrate with you. Anybody here? Raise your hand up high. I can see. Oh, I see one hand right there. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So our, our ushers would have come and given you a, 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 we call it a new believer's bag. There are some resources there. And also there's a card that if you just write your name and number uh, from the office, we can call you and just give you some guidance how to uh, use those resources. Thank you. We celebrate with you. Same thing for those of you uh, who, if you've done this online, let's go back to that same uh, web page, apcw.org slash ftv. Enter your details there so we can reach out to you. I have two quick announcements before we uh, dismiss. We are having our Holy Spirit baptism service today, right after the service. It's a, it's a short time where uh, we, have, we will have our pastors. Pastor Roshan will be there, and I think Pastor Selena will also be here. So you could come down and uh, sit on this side, on these seats here. If you want to be uh, prayed for to receive the baptism and the Holy Spirit, they will explain to you what it is, 
what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and that after they explain it to you, they'll pray with you. You know, we like everybody to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You receive the power of God in your life uh, to be a witness for Jesus Christ. So if you've never experienced that, never had that happen for you, right after the service, you can come and be seated here. Uh, Pastor Roshan, Pastor Selena will be there to minister to you. Right, so uh, please do that. Okay, it says on the right side of the stage. Um, I just pointed here, but okay. <laughs> so it's on this side. In case they move there, you can go there, but, but they probably do it here. Right, and um, yeah, so coming up this month, month of February is our anniversary month. February 18th is uh, the, our special anniversary day. And uh, on uh, Sunday, February 20th, we have a, usually uh, every anniversary Sunday uh, is our Sunday to appreciate all our volunteers. So that's a special Sunday where we appreciate all our volunteers. Uh, I think we have, uh, I don't know the exact number, but somewhere around 300 volunteers who are serving. And so we, you know, we, we just say thank you, big thank you to all our volunteers because they are the ones who are helping, you know, week after week across our locations. And it's our volunteer appreciation day. Uh, so that's coming up. Sunday the 20th uh, so it's our anniversary Sunday and also our volunteer appreciation day we'll have a lunch for the volunteers and we also give them a special gift uh, just to say thank you so if you're a volunteer you've been serving last year this year uh, please stay back on Sunday the 20th make sure first of all you come to church <laughs> you need to be here on Sunday the 20th so whatever you're doing make sure you come on Sunday 20th uh, because we want to appreciate you. Uh, make sure you stay for lunch and uh, we will have a gift for you as a volunteer. Okay, let's close with a benediction, please. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, and books, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, visit apcbiblecollege.org. Do remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the Apple or Google Play Store.